going to take this microphone because we're going to read some scriptures. We've been looking at the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've been looking at how they're windows into who Christ is and what he's done for us. Uh, this morning, I don't want to talk about the gifts the wise men brought, but I want to talk about the gifts that God, the gift that God brought to us. The first gift that prompts all the other giving. In fact, when you think about it, the wise men weren't the first to, to bring Christmas gifts. It was God. It was because God brought this Christmas gift in Jesus that the wise men brought theirs and that we continue centuries later to bring our gifts to one another because God got it all started in the beginning. Jesus is the, the best, the perfect, the first Christmas gift, and we want to celebrate him this day and tomorrow. Even Isaiah prophesied early, a son is given. John 3.16 says, God gave out of love his son. So I went on a little search for what else does the New Testament say about God's giving and God's gift, and how might we describe this gift if we're looking for words? The first description is the word good, and I'd like to have Matthew 7 read. It'll be projected, but who's my Matthew 7 reader? All right, would you like to have this? Let me bring this back. And Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? <coughs> If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? A good father gives good things. And that's what we expect from God. So it's probably not surprising that Jesus is to be considered a good gift. It is hard for us to admit that sometimes we're, we're not so good in our gifting, um, as older brother to a couple of younger sisters, I found one, uh, Beth, who was especially fun to tease. So one year on her birthday, we decided to wrap up a bunch of simple, ordinary things from around the house and make that look like that was all she was going to get. So at her placemat was a, a little wrapped a toothpick. And oh, here was a pencil and a couple of pennies a carrot, you get the idea. We just piled up a bunch of little things we just found around the house and we hid all the significant gifts she was hoping for. Just a way of teasing Beth. Now I also have another younger sister, Ruth, who one Christmas or just before Christmas uh, went into a room that was off limits. We call it in our household Santa's workshop. And she discovered the gift she was longing for. And it told everybody she wanted for Christmas. It was a pink stove. My dad had to construct this pink stove. And it took quite a while. And it was in this bedroom off limits. But Ruth discovered it and came running downstairs one night. Said, it's here. It's here. The pink stove is here. Dave and I were the only ones home this evening. My older brother and I, so we decided to go quickly into action. We had to protect Santa, Dad, Christmas itself. 
So I distracted Ruth, and Dave went upstairs and rearranged the room, hid the pink stove. It could not be found. When Ruth went up, we said, Ruth, what did you see? And she went up, and you could just see her jaw drop. And I can report that after years of counseling, she's doing okay. <laughs> but we felt we had done our job to protect Christmas Day. You see, sometimes we're a little teasing, we're a little tricking in the way we come at Christmas, but God's not like that. He's good. He's a really good giver. And he gives good gifts. And out of that goodness comes the the greatest gift, Jesus Christ himself. Don't ever think that God is, is playing games with you. He's given Christ for all of us, and that's a good gift. The next term I want to look at is the term free, and it comes up in Romans 5, my Romans 5 reader right here. For some reason, my button's there, but... Romans chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of the one man's trespass, death ex exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That's quite a complicated argument, contrasting Adam to Jesus Christ and the effects of Adam's fall and Christ's salvation. And yet there's one word that keeps coming up four times in these few verses. It's free gift. This gift is described as free in Christ, the gift of life with God, forgiveness, eternal life. Uh, that's a free gift. It's not something that we can earn, that we deserve. It's given freely. In all the gift-giving and receiving that I've experienced in my life, and maybe yours has been a little different, whether it's on Christmas Day, birthday, or any time, when someone opens a gift and they say, wow, this is really nice, I have never found someone to say, let me, let me pay you for this. We don't grab our wallet and ask someone, how much did this cost? Let me, let me give it to you for, for this gift. No, the very nature of a gift is it's to be received. It's, it's free. It's part of the reciprocal love relationship. You don't try to pay for it. And so it is in the gift we receive in Jesus Christ. It's a priceless gift to begin with but it's not a gift to be earned or deserved. It's a gift that we receive by faith, not by works that somehow impress God that we deserve this. No way. We receive with thanks, not with a promise that, you know, I, I can pay for this. I'll, I'll pay for this. I'll feel better if I do. 
No, it's a free gift we receive in Jesus Christ. Shouldn't surprise us, gifts are like that. But sometimes we have to be reminded that God's gift is free. It's, that's what grace is all about, a free gift. The next word is costly. Free, but costly. Who has my costly text from Romans 8? Yes. Let me bring this to you so you can be heard. Romans 8.32. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Thank you much. I hear a father's broken heart in those words. He did not withhold, but gave him up. Much like Jim and Della's most precious gift given up for the other. God's done that for us. He's given up the very best treasure in his life, closest to his heart in his only son, given that up for us. And then with Christ, everything else comes. It's an ongoing gift. There was a New Year's Day, New Year's Day, that my brother and I got the best gift of a holiday season. And it was a surprise to us. We weren't expecting it. Christmas was already a week past, and now we're waking up to gifts again. It wasn't long before we were just enjoying the gifts, but it was later in life as adults, we, we had a chance to ask Mom, what was that all about? It only happened once that we could recall. What's a New Year's gift all about? And Mom shared with us something that we didn't observe as young children, as both Mom and Dad cried together at how little they could offer us kids in the home that Christmas. And they felt so badly that something happened in that next week, whether it was selling the gold watch or cutting the hair. My mom didn't have long hair. Um, whether it was a bonus that came or a check in the mail from somebody. I don't know exactly, but they sacrificed to be able to provide something that totally blew my brother and me away. A gift that we'll always remember because it came at a strange time, at a, at a great sacrifice that mom and dad pulled off just because they loved us so much. And so it is with the gift of Christ. There's a costliness to it. It's free to us, but it costs God to give up his son a sacrificial gift of love. And I'll always remember that that's the way God gives. Just as Jim and Della gave in the story of the gift of the Magi. The next word I'm using is indescribable. 2 Corinthians 9.15. It's our shortest verse. Who's my 2 Corinthians? All right. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You almost want to repeat it, don't you? It just it goes by so quickly. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, here I am trying to describe what is indescribable. And if you haven't discovered, that's the way our relationship with God is. We can only go so far with human thoughts and human words. At some point, we just step back and say, you know what? This is a, this is a mystery. This is a wonder. Have you ever gotten a gift that just kind of took your breath away? It was so surprising, so overwhelming. 
that's the way God's gift is. There's the carol, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. It's that wonder that forces us often into just speechless silence because there's not any words or thoughts that can describe what's happened. I think of Mary who pondered these things in her heart. When we read that in the Christmas story, I think that's what was going on. It was just overwhelming for her. She did not have words, so she just kept quiet. And so I think there's a time where we just recognize what we're talking about, uh, a sermon, a book, a discussion is never going to be able to plumb the depths of it. It's indescribable. That's what we have in the gift of Jesus Christ. There's one more word in the New Testament I want you to see, and it's the word perfect. James 1.17 says it. Here we go. Thank you. James 1.17. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Good. We probably aren't surprised to find that the gift God gives is a, is a perfect gift. I think what may be hard for us to realize is our gifts aren't always that perfect. Although I've been looking at advertising this season, saw billboards, saw flyers this way, People want to convince you that what they're selling is really the perfect gift for you to be purchasing for your loved one. Surprising how often the perfect gift is the theme of advertising. But I would like to challenge you to think, I don't want to ruin Christmas for you, but I just want to remind you that there's nothing under the tree. There's nothing that you've seen under any tree or, or will see under any tree in the future that is the perfect gift. Perfect in all dimensions is something only God is able to do. When I think of the gifts, even those great gifts I've received, how many of them are no longer with me? Uh, they've either ripped apart or rotted or rusted or they've, I've lost interest in them. Maybe they didn't fit and we had to exchange. And You know, the list goes on. My sister Ruth had long wanted a Barbie doll, and my parents were somewhat reluctant, but then all of a sudden a Barbie doll showed up, and she was so excited. But I think it was just a matter of days, at most just a couple of weeks, before our dog Buster chewed the head off that Barbie doll. And Ruth wailed. I mean, when she discovered it, it's, I mean, it's gruesome, isn't it? It, it was just so bad. She wailed, and the only thing I could do was run to the store quickly with her and replace it <laughs> with a brand-new Barbie doll that was just like the one she had longed for. And so it is, I think, any gift you think back on, yeah, the gifts here are not perfect in the sense that God's gift is. Something that's going to last forever. God's gift is indestructible. No, no fitting required, no dog's going to do damage. I mean, this gift that we have in Jesus Christ is a perfect gift, unlike all the others. 
And so I'd, I'd like you to think with me just in one closing minute. What do we do with this kind of a gift? We've described it as best we can. We've run out of words. But what do we do? I would suggest we take our own gift receiving of tangible things as a, as a model for receiving Christ. We receive him with, with open, grateful hands and, and say thanks for the, the gift. We're grateful for the gift of Christ. We, we don't leave him all wrapped up under the tree, but we want to get acquainted with him. We, we unwrap him and maybe even read the directions. The, the Bible is full of directions in how to make this relationship with Jesus work. Read the directions. Get familiar with him. See what can nurture the relationship and what hurts the relationship and, and work with that. That's, that's what a gift requires. Nurture the relationship, but also share it with others. I think when, when we have a really exciting Christmas gift, first thing we want to do is show it to somebody. And so it is with the gift of Christ. I think the joy within us should cause us to want to just share Christ with others, not just between those of us who believe, but maybe even others who have no idea of the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. So my prayer for you is that in all your gift giving, in all your gift receiving this season and always, that you'll think of the great gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ and never lose sight of that. Recognize his great love shown in this great gift, the first and best Christmas gift ever. Let's pray. God, I am thankful. We're thankful together for the gift of Jesus Christ in our lives, in our world. And I pray for each one of us here, wherever we are in our relationship with, with your gift, I pray that we might come to that point of recognizing how important growing this love relationship with you is and that we might protect it and nurture it, share that relationship with others and enter into it fully. This we want to do here on earth now, but also forever with you. And this we pray in the name of your great gift, Jesus Christ. Amen.